What's going on, good people, and welcome to another episode of Live by the Three, a Raptors podcast with your boy Curly. Big shout out to listeners new and old for tuning in. I appreciate every single one of you. Back with us once again. I feel like I really don't have to introduce him. I feel like he's always here. He's, you know, but he's like ludicrous back for the first time. Bro, I'm running off the screen via Raptors Republic, the one they call Mac. Welcome, brother. Yes, thank you for having me again. I'm up for my... T- I'm like, it feels like I'm on a two-way contract. Like, I come, I get called up, put in my minutes, <laughs> get tucked away. <laughs> don't don't, don't want to share you with anybody else other than Raptors Republic? Yeah, I know. I, that's probably what it is. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think we have to make your, your contract fully guaranteed at this point. You know what I mean? I think we're going to have to have negotiations yes, off, off, off mic. <laughs> Well, brother, listen, man, we are, we know why we're here. Media day happened this past Monday. Training camp is underway. And as we were talking, we got some unfortunate news to discuss, but let's, let's jump right into it, brother. Media day. We had Masai, we had Nick Nurse, we had Pascal and Freddie, Scotty, OG, and Gary Trent Jr. with a very unenthusiastic podium approach. But nonetheless, he was speaking, you speaking to media. What was your overall feel, either positive, negative, what you found interesting uh, about media day? Well, for me, it felt like they had more clarity as a team, at least more than they've had in most years. Now, at that point, we had a healthy training camp roster. And I guess we'll get into that in a bit. But um, there was a clear vision of the style of play we want to do and where the core pieces fit into all of that. And then there's still a hunger in their eyes, right? Of the players. They're not just there, like, I'm happy to be here. This should be a fun year. There was more of a, I'm on a mission. Let's get to work type of mentality. And, you know, Precious stating he wants to be recognized as an all defense level. I know that may have been like during the training camp scrum, but I still consider that around the media day stuff. And then Pascal claiming he's, his aspirations to become a top five player in the league now that sounds far-fetched for some <laughs> but if you told me or told anyone in pascal's rookie year that he was going to be the player that he is today we would have said that was far-fetched so the sky's the limit let's see what he can do yeah i thought it was very interesting that pascal said that he wanted to be recognized as a top five player in the league but in the same in the same breath it wasn't that surprising because uh, as I mentioned in the previous episode, and I'm sure have you seen on the Rico Hines rounds, he said that he's not where he wants to be. And I think a lot of us as Raptors fans kind of view Pascal has kind of quote unquote peaked. But for him to be a most improved player, NBA champion, all star, all NBA, and he still has this aspiration to be recognized as one of the top players of the league. Who are we to douse water? on that fire that he he's showing right now. And I thought it was very inspiring. And I think as a Raptors fan, we know that he's the best player on this team. And we know he may not be a vocal leader. He, he see, still seems to be that very shy guy. And we saw that under Rico Hines runs, but he seems like he's gonna be that player to lead by example, you, you know, and, and just kind of assert himself into a level of dominance that few players can achieve but he is going to be going against competition and whether we like to believe it or not we're still the Toronto Raptors and we don't know how much coverage or benefit of the doubt that he's going to get or we as an organization is going to get but if he maintains this passion and he's able to elevate his game to let's just say to be at minimum top 15 player in the league I think it'll force a lot of people to pay attention. Yes, and he he technically is a top 15. If you made the All-NBA third team, you're in the top 15 players of the league, numbers-wise, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you know what? I, I didn't even make the connection, but you're absolutely right. So he is top 15. So let me let me take a position further. Top 10. Yeah, I mean, it's it's possible. I think, for one, we know how great of a defender he is. But I think it just needs to be more, even more defensive impact plays, like maybe average over two blocks a game. I know I'm asking a lot. Do what you yeah. did last year on the offensive end, but let's let's beef up those defensive numbers and add more wins. 
And I think it wouldn't be hard to put him in that conversation. He There's not much things he can't do on the floor. I, I look at it through a very simple lens as well. If he's able to hit two threes a game like he did on the championship run, Mm-hmm. And he, uh, on top of his almost 23 points per game, two more threes, he's already got 29 points per game. And even if he he averages seven and six or seven and five, those are, those numbers are almost elite. So w- w- are you a betting man? Like, would you would you put some money on him being a MVP candidate? Top five, top three MVP candidate. How are you feeling? You know, you know what? I, I feel inspired and maybe I'm speaking with my heart and I am a betting man. I just try to keep it away from the pod, but I am a betting man. And <laughs> you know what? I, I would I would sprinkle a little something if, if it means a top five finish. What, what, what do you have to lose? I mean, if he believes he can be top five, be one of the best players in the league, who am I to say no? But I think what a lot of people are forgetting, and I'm just talking about the casual Raptors fans, he's coming in to the season healthy. And he's going to have a full season. His impact on on the back half of the season, starting the season late, to finish playing 67 games, and to continuously get better and take that level of play into the playoffs, I don't don't really think it's an, an, an unbelievable task if you're Pascal. But when I looked at media day, I kind of broke it down to what I liked, what I didn't like, and what I found interesting. And what I liked was definitely that. What I liked is that Messiah's every other word was win. What I liked is that everybody seems to be on the same page and everybody seems to be focused. There wasn't much joking around. Everybody was business. And I think as a Raptors fan, that's definitely reassuring. What I didn't like... Oh, may I add that mm-hmm. Scotty Barnes wanting to be an all defensive player mm-hmm. is very, very reassuring to me as a Raptors fan where he knows that he definitely has to improve on. And that's one of the areas where some people like to hold against him. But to see that going into his second year and he wants to make an all defensive uh, NBA team, I like that a lot. What I found interesting, and I know we're going to get into this, was Masai's position on OG Ananobi. It almost sounded like, and I could be making something out of nothing, but I, I thought it was interesting, the body language. Masai doesn't really give a lot of tells, but there was a bit of posturing up, so to speak, when it came to OG and what his role is uh, on this team. And he said it. He expects OG to take a jump. But I feel like the last few seasons, we've been expecting OG to take a jump. And I think Masai said it best. He's not a young guy anymore. He's one of the leaders on this team. He's one of the cornerstones on this team. He's going to have to do more. And you see that Masai is expecting it. Did, did, was I the only one that caught on to that? Or did you notice that? You, too? you know what? You made a good point there. And do you think it's like a subtle jab at the reports that OG wants a bigger role? It's almost like besides saying, okay, you want a bigger role? Go get it. We're not going to give it to you. Definitely Go seems that way. Role. Yeah, yeah, definitely that's... definitely seems that way, for sure. I thought it was very interesting because you don't see Masai singling people out. He kind of groups them all together and kind of gives like a group assessment. But it seems like, I don't know, maybe there is a little bit of frustration. And, and one thing that I, I think a lot of people overlook... He said that OG OG missed 43 games, but that was the season before, not 48. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems like he's just blending all the seasons. Like, I think, but, you know, to, to be fair, you know, he has had a tough goal, but when he's on the floor, he is impactful. Mm-hmm. But I think it's fair that this is the time, because if not now, are we going to continue saying, oh, well, next year he's going to do it. And then next year, like how much more leeway? And I've always found it interesting that OG is always the one who's getting the most rope where guys like Scotty Barnes going into his second year, he's everybody is already setting the expectations sky high. And they're, they're railroading our boy, Gary Trent Jr., who had a career year. He had a career uh, year. I don't get it, man. And Gary, we need more. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it, man. Like, and it's 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 amazing. I just thought of this now. You mentioned um, 
Scotty Barnes wanting to be all defense. And I remember he made an Instagram post. I believe it was an Instagram story or something. He's, it was him and Gary, and they were saying that they want to be all defense. Then you have Precious saying he wants to be all defense. And then you have OG, who has the potential to be all defense. It's very interesting that these guys are so invested on that end of the floor. But aren't you? Aren't we a little bit concerned about the offensive side? I am absolutely petrified <laughs> with the with the idea of the offensive side because with great defense you still need to score the basketball this isn't mm-hmm. this isn't football you know what i mean even football you still got to score but mm-hmm. we don't have field goals in the nba you know what i mean so you you still have to generate some sort of offense on that side of the ball or you know when you get turnover what's the transition uh, offense going to look like transition threes are going to look like you know you you still have to find a way to be impactful on the offensive side of the ball but i mean this team is built on the defense uh, we don't have much of a half court offense so it's not surprising that they're putting so much emphasis on defense but i think what's very interesting to go go along with my point i think everybody else is speaking all defensive conversation and the guy who's regarded as our best defender is talking about watching sunsets so we'll we'll get into (laughs) we'll get we'll get into that but what but what i didn't like and it kind of coincides with our uh, the next topic that we're going to cover is the lack of discussion around gary Trent jr and you know i think a lot of people covering the team especially media said that you know gary kind of keeps to himself maybe they're doing it out of respect maybe i'm making something out of nothing but how do you feel about when you're talking about the core or the favorites, you always hear Pascal, Freddie, OG, and now Scotty. Even Precious is getting some acknowledgement. But the guy who had a career year, the guy whom you didn't know, and he didn't know what his role was going to be on this team, whether he was going to be coming off the bench like he did in Portland or starting, still seems to be a forgotten guy. Are, am I making something out of nothing, or did you pick up on that too? I know I noticed it as well, but I feel it may have been like a thing like, the media's attention has been pulled in so many different directions, you know, that a guy like Gary Trent Jr. gets lost in the sauce, you know. He's still a valuable piece to our team. He's still young. He has a ton of moments that he's proved that he could produce at a high level. This is more or less a equal opportunity offensive system. So it's a system where our strengths will be given a chance to be on display. So the more strengths you have, the more production it will happen, obviously. So with that said, team scheme to stop their go-to moves on all areas of the court so when i where i feel gary loses some respect from fans is his struggles like finishing around the rim and the lack of playmaking so when when with fandom they, there's always going to be an odd man out with these teams and it just so happens to be gary this season We've had it happen with with Pascal. We've had our moments with Kyle Lowry. People forget. We've had our moments with DeMar DeRozan back in the day where we always had something that we wanted him to bring back to the table. So it's up to Gary to fill those needs and change the narrative. I agree with you 100%. I think a lot of what Gary needs to improve upon is definitely what the fans are holding on to. Yes, we know he can be a little bit better uh, as a playmaker obviously he could definitely be a better finisher around the rim but the one thing that always seems to be highlighted is his defense now i'm i think it's fair to say that he's not a great defender but he's a good competitive defender if that makes sense yes he takes a lot of gambles but in a system where we don't play a lot of man-to-man. It's a lot of team defense, a lot of zone, a lot of man-zone type type of defenses. Does he really need to be a lockdown defender when you have all these guys who are basically Swiss Army knives with the length and have the ability to help? And we do a lot of help defense anyway. So are, are we as fans complaining that the type of defense that could help a weak defender, we are now ridiculing the man who's who can benefit from be- being a great team defender. I mean, he, he was lead- one of the leaders in the league in deflections. He led the league in steals for a good portion of the beginning of the season. Both him and Freddie were terrorizing the league yeah, in, in terms yeah. of deflection and steals. Yeah, they were up there with uh, DeJounte Murray. So, I don't know. Like, again, 
fans always want to nitpick one thing. Like you said, because of the, the way we are constructed, taking gambles may be a, a calculated risk, right? It's something that, that's why it's a gamble, obviously, but yeah. it's something that he feels he can do because he has that backup. And I, I welcome it. Now, maybe trim it down a little bit. Don't do it every other possession, of course. But if there's a moment that you think you can you can close a gap, you can run into a passing lane, just take it. Because we have guys who can recover. We have guys who, who, who know how to switch, peel switch, and whatnot. I'm learning these switching terms from Samson. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like Gary, I, I have no I have no gripes on him just being a little bit more of a gambler on the defensive end. I think we need that tenacity. And l- listen, he's a better defender than what Norman Powell was for us. Let's be honest. Yeah, I think, and don't get me wrong. I know you're a Norm fan. I'm a Norm mm-hmm. fan. But there were definitely times where it seemed like Norm was in no man's land. And if Gary is already saying, along with Scotty Barnes, that they have all defensive aspirations, it's an area that I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he he has recognized. And I do agree that maybe the decision-making on that side of the ball, maybe take a little bit less gambles, maybe pick your spots or, or you know, I, I don't really feel it necessary to dissect what you need to do on defense because getting steals and anticipating, all that is a gamble anyways. That's part of being a great defender. So for somebody that's getting almost two steals a game, if he can scale back the decision making as to, as you said, when to jump into the passing lane and when to when to not, or maybe force them into the corner, force them baseline, I definitely feel that Gary Trent is still fresh in his career where he can make these adjustments. And I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I get so frustrated at hearing about this. And what's your take around this idea of? starting precious over gary and have him coming off the bench man that's a tough one because they both bring totally different things to the court i'm under the thought process that we can make them like switchable in starting lineups depending on who we are facing say we are facing a boston that have large wing offensive players uh maybe even um a brooklyn i would start someone like a Precious because the switchability will be up and the defensive rebounding, the ability to go up and go will be there. So that's where I would start Precious. Um, but when it comes to like facing smaller guards, teams that are not the best at contesting threes, that's when I would try and take that philosophy and flip it and put in a guy like Gary Trent Jr. who loves the spot up shot, who loves to um, take guys off the dribble, step back and hit the shot. That's where that's where I think you can flip them back and forth in the starting lineup. Would they like that? I don't know, but it's better than not starting at all, I guess. That's an, an absolutely fair way of looking at it, but I look at it like this. In an area where we struggle, and I'm talking about on the offensive side of the ball, especially in the half court, and I know I'm nitpicking at this point, but one of our biggest issues were a lack of shooting and a lack of spacing with that with that lack of shooting i look at it like if we start precious i think as an opposing team you go zone we are absolutely at their mercy because there's only so many people you could put in put at the top of the key you can't put everybody at the top of the key so unless pascal is hitting at almost 37, 38%, and same with OG, and Freddie can repeat that. That's the only way I can see starting pressures would be beneficial. But I also feel that if if we're looking at hierarchy and we're looking at who earned it, I think Gary has definitely earned it. He was far more productive on in a longer span during the season. While Precious had a great second half, and I'm not trying to downplay it, my feelings about him, as you know, has completely turned around. I, I'm a fan. I, I enjoy what he does on the team, and I love his energy. And I actually love the fact that he knows he has to improve, and he knows he has he has the ability to be uh, one of the guys on the team. But it doesn't take at the take away from the fact that you still have a far way to go. And as a Raptors team who struggles with offense, I'm not ever worried about the defense, but it always worries me about the offensive side of the ball. And if I'm picking between having transition opportunities being able to have a catch and shoot guy being able to somebody that can shoot off the dribble 
Precious can't do those things. And that's where I fall on the side that Gary still needs to be the starter. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. The But again, yes, the zone will be thrown at us, but at the other end of the floor, they're going to switch, switch, switch until Gary's on that big wing, like I'm saying. And he's struggled against the bigger wings in the league. And that Eastern Conference, especially that Atlantic division, is a bloodbath when it comes to perimeter scorers. So I can understand. I can understand both arguments, I should say. Yeah, you know, when it comes to Precious and Gary, I definitely I definitely can appreciate people's, you know, excitement about having Precious in the starting rotation. But I still look at it. There's, there's still a picking order. And this is the first real time that we got to see the most of Precious. And this is was his real first taste of getting a consistent a consistent role, I guess you can say, because he didn't have that, obviously, in Miami. But I think Gary has forced the Raptors' hand to kind of pay attention to him a little bit more. But in the same breath, he's also drawn a lot of attention to how he is as, as a basketball player. So I feel that the only way that Gary Trent can kind of silence the doubter, so to speak, is he has to improve in, the, in those areas. And I think at minimum, if he has all defensive aspirations and he can be, as you mentioned, be more disciplined on that side of the ball whilst he, still being productive, he can easily become a two-way player. Yeah, and I think, again, this is the same debate people are having with Scotty and OG. They're putting the defense way ahead of the offensive upside. And we got to remember, as much as we want Precious to be our starting center, he's not a true center. Let's be real. He's the same. He's literally more or less the same size as OG, right? He just has more athleticism and a little bit more strength, I guess, to to guard up that position. So that's why they want to put him at the, at the five. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, I was I was going to I was going to piggyback on that point. His game is more tailor tailor made as a big man than it is with OG. Mm-hmm. So exactly. there right? So there's that appeal of him being a starting center, but I mean, we found success with the small ball and Gary Trent was very key in in that run and if we take away Gary Trent Jr's career 18 points per game there's a chance that we don't even make the playoffs last year not to mention those six games in a row where he had 30 point games and some of those were go ahead buckets 40 piece and he had 40 pieces at some point so right so and he's until, only 23 he's only 23 yeah so until precious can do that I'm keeping Gary Trent Jr. in the starting lineup. (laughs) He's closed. (laughs) He's case closed. That's it. Moving on. Now, while the lack of Gary Trent Jr.'s name during media day was concerning, I think going into training camp, I think it's very easy. Well, I'm not going to say it's easy to say that the guys competing for roster spots are the focal points going into training camp for obvious reasons. But I tend to look at it very differently, at least this coming uh, season, and for the Raptors players going into training camp. I think there's a little bit more of a focal point on our key guys, our core guys. I guess we can say arguably top eight, top nine guys. But I think none more important than Fred Van Vliet. I think it's interesting that there's no extension as yet. There's still conversations around him wanting to be a Raptor and whatnot and what his role will be like going into this team. And Fred seems to be healthy. He's definitely leaned out. He kind of looks like the 2018-2019 championship Freddy. I wonder if we're going to see a little bit more quickness uh, in his game, but I think it's all very intriguing that he's pretty much in a contract year without this extension in place. And obviously the TV deal is still in the works. So that has a lot to influence in the cap. So maybe the Raptors are are waiting for that. But I don't know how this team would look like if we don't have Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Like, And we did kind of see it in the playoffs for a bit. We were kind of lost on offense. Spacing was off. 
perimeter defense was through <laughs> Maxi went to work on us. No, so man. he he <laughs> Fred is the one of the most important Raptors. You know, it's, it, it and not even the the play on the court. You know, off court, being a leader, getting guys in the right spots, being a cheerleader when he's out. Like he is the voice of that team. He's the heartbeat of that team. It's it's crazy how seamless his transition away from we went from Lowry to Fred VanVleet just like easily. That's hard to do in this in this league to just just keep the flow going as far as a franchise goes. And uh, yeah, he is a very important piece. And I would I like to add a couple more pieces that I think are very important this season, or, and probably even going into training camp. It's Scotty. Scotty, I think I know he's going into his sophomore year. Uh, but he needs to take another leap. He needs to take another leap to become a, for us to become a true contender. Now, now, I see a lot of the moves that the other teams have been making in this league. And we see Boston, they brought in Brogdon. They just signed Blake Griffin. They have the same, pretty much the same team that made the, the finals. You know what I mean? So that's going to be a threat. You have uh, Philly. They brought in P.J. Tucker, Montrez Harold, uh, DeAnthony Melton. So they got better. And the Raptors... Not to mention Daniel House. Daniel House. <laughs> Daniel House. And the Raptors, they bring in Otto Porter Jr. and re-sign a couple more players that were here last year. You know what I mean? So with that said, that's where the internal growth is very important. So a guy like Scotty, especially his usage at the point guard, that's going to help Fred Van Vliet um, have a longer season, a healthier season. And even Precious. Precious now, he's another important piece. I know I've talked about it earlier that maybe he's not the natural full, uh, natural big that we expect, but he's just filling the role because of his attributes, right? Now, if he can hold down that center spot, use his, his switchability, and just keep that 6'8", six, 6'9", six, movement going, I think that's going to be an integral part of figuring out if this experiment will work in the long run. Yeah, brilliant points, brother. And obviously very valid. I think what's interesting about the Raptors going into training camp and yeah, you know, I don't disagree. I think all, everybody has a very important role. Um, I think that Scotty, even though he is going into year two, I think there's, I think we all know that he, he's a generational talent and Masai alluded to that during media day. And I agree. He does have to take another leap. But do you feel that we're putting too much on, on a guy in year two? I, I don't, I, I think he's up for the challenge, but I do feel that in order for us to take it to the next level, it's it has to be the guys regarded as the cornerstone, Pascal, Freddie, OG, whether we like it or not. Do you think that's a fair point? I think it's fair to put that pressure on someone like Scotty. though. He has generational traits. You understand? Like he's so like what six nine, like two thirty, two forty can take the ball off the off the boards and run down the court in three dribbles and dunk it. Playmaker, you know, good footwork, good at breaking down. Like he's not a guy who's just gonna walk into a gym every day. He's a generational talent. So when when you have those type of guys, you gotta push them to be the best. We gotta see them take those leaps. This guy won Rookie of the Year for a reason, you know, and you we've seen how he impacted the game in the playoffs before he got hurt. He was the best player on the floor for us. And this is a guy who was 20 years old. So that's why I, I look at his second year. The game's going to slow down a little bit more. Maybe it's not going to be on the Mars Jedi, Jedi level slow yet, but he's going to have a better understanding of how people will cover him on the court. He's going to have a sharper offensive game. And he's going to have a little bit more strength and stamina to um, withstand 82 game season. So that's why I think he will take a big leap and he needs to take that big leap in year two. I don't disagree. <laughs> I, I, I don't disagree. I, I'm trying to play devil's advocate, but, you know, I think deep down, I know the truth. I think he has to, whether he likes it or not, he has to. Because, I, I mean, if Pascal is looking to make a leap forward, if Freddie is looking to make adjustments to his game, why not Scotty? Why not the guy who won Rookie of the Year, you know? My concern, I guess if I were to push back on anything, I think mm -hmm. my concern is if there is a little bit of regression, are we ready for that? 
I know you and I are ready for that because <laughs> I mean we've we've seen it before. But sophomore slump. The sophomore slump. I don't see it. I don't think. And and more importantly, I think the way Scotty's game is built, it's he's not reliant on one thing. He's definitely not a one trick pony, as they say. So he can find another way to be impactful. I mean, he was able to score almost 16 points per game without a single play drawn for him. Like that's absolutely insane, you know. And I believe he had the the fifth highest usage rate on our team or the fourth. Yeah, it wasn't high. And remember, he he I think it was early in the season against Boston. I think it was the second game or third game of the year. He had like twenty six and eleven, and they didn't call a single play. That is hard to do. Yeah, definitely. You know, and he played every position on the floor. And with like I said earlier, with the moves that we made. Yes, we signed Otto Porter Jr. Now that guy's injured. So we're pretty much running back the same squad. So if we're trying to be a better team, we have to get better internally. And I think because of his age, because of his production, and because of what he can do on the floor, I put a lot of pressure on him to be better. Well, if you're going to put pressure on anybody, I think it, it has to be Scotty Barnes because he's him. He said it himself. He, he He's him. So... Uh, I'm I'm interested to see what year two is going to look like. I've said many times, I've seen him over the summer, obviously in Rico Hines, but seeing him in person at the Pro-Am and just, you know, say what you want about the Pro-Am. I mean, ball is ball. You still have to put the ball in the hoop. And mm-hmm. he was just playing within himself, so under control. He was using his size. He didn't care who was there. If he had an opportunity to use his athleticism, use his size, use his length, he definitely took advantage of that. And he definitely looks like he put on 10 pounds, maybe even 15 pounds of muscle, man. And it's scary. Uh, I think year two is going to be an absolute movie, and, and I'm definitely here for it. Let's focus a little bit more on the guys competing on this for the roster spots. And I know we don't have many left, I think we can agree and get this out of the way that Wancho's more or less seems like a lock. And yeah. apparently he's having a very good training camp as well as Delano Banton. Yeah. And even Malachi Flynn, I heard, was definitely having a, a decent training camp. Who has the most to prove out of those guys on the back end of the roster? If you had to pick one guy. Hmm. I know we, we mentioned Banton as a guy who's been doing well early on. But I think it's between him or Flynn. Why I say that, why I say that is because Nurse is still claiming that Barnes and Pascal are going to play some point at at some point of the year. They're going to play point guard. And that kind of sparks some concerns towards his confidence in our bench guys taking that role. And Banton and and Flynn, they're, they're entirely different players, right? They both possess skills that are much needed on our roster. But it's just the consistency. That's the issue for both. And confidence. Exactly. Consistency and confidence. So that battle is going to come down to whoever produces every night. Not the guy who dominates at one practice or the one preseason game and then disappears the next. They need a guy who's going to be steady throughout. And that's why I think Banton is a guy I think needs to prove a lot. Because we heard that he killed it the first day. But then the next day we hear Flynn killed it. We didn't hear nothing about Banton anymore. So I want to see who's going to be that guy who's going to consistently throughout the whole training camp preseason process, bring it every single night. You don't have to score 20. Give me 10, 5, and 5. Just give me that. Just give me that every night. And then we know what you are. We know what you're going to bring every night. And you can solidify your role on this team. I'm going to add a name to that because I think you're 100% right. Champagne. I think Champagne is a very interesting player. We also put, we also got, sorry, Josh Jackson on a non on a non guaranteed deal, mm-hmm. very similar players, but mm-hmm. I think Justin Champagne is a, is a far more intriguing player because I just view him as an energy player. Maybe I'm gonna say a smaller Precious. Precious comes into the game and he finds a way to be impactful. Impactful. I think Champagne can do that on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, mm-hmm. we know he's a rebounding machine, but he also has some touch around the rim. And I mean, if we look back at his college highlights, he can That's hoop. What he is. That's yeah. what he is. You know what I'm saying? So I, I definitely like to throw 
Champagne in the mix. But I definitely lean a lot more into the Banton-Flynn conversation because I feel like that's where our depth is most concerning. Because if Gary Trent goes down or Freddie goes down, who's that guy? Where is that production coming from? And not even just production, not even just shooting the basketball, but have the ability to play their role. And Mm -hmm. we all know that each player is bringing something different, but it's about that consistency that you said, that confidence that you said. But I also think the confidence is a two-way street. Nurse has to have that confidence in those players and also instill that confidence in those players. Now, I'm not saying that we have to change the dynamic of our team to be conducive to the Banton skill set or Flynn skill set, because I think that's very unrealistic, but it has to go hand in hand. And I think the guard spot is very, very concerning for yes. me, it, it, like because we don't have no shooting. As much as we're banking on internal growth, I don't see Delano Banton dropping three threes a night. I don't know if Flynn has the ability to because he he did that in college. Champagne, like you go down the list, it's probably. I want to battle that that statement. A lot of people say we need shooting at the guard spot, right? Which is is fair, but I, to be even more specific, I want scoring, scoring from that spot. Someone who can break down defenders because we had shooting. We we had Matt Thomas. Isn't he one of the best three point shooters of all time? <laughs> <laughs> we had it. We had Shvee. He was one of the best spot up shooters coming out of college in Kansas. We had it right. We just need guys who could score, put some pressure on the defense. Don't just stand behind the line. Move around. Dribble through defenders. Break the zone. Other than shooting, you can break the zone by getting in the middle of it. Right. So. We need those type of players. Yes, shooting is 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 very important, of course. But I feel like when we had those shooters, Nick Nurse didn't know how to get them in position to get open because teams are. It's easy to scheme against a guy who's going to spot up and shoot more or less, right? But it's not easy to scheme against a guy like a Paul George. I know we're not going to get Paul George, but I'm just using him as an example, a guy yeah. who can get wherever wherever the hell he wants on the court and, and and put up a shot. Or even I could even say Lou Will, prime Lou Will would be perfect off the bench on this team. Yeah, I agree with you. But when I when I say shooting, yeah, you're right. We do need scoring. But when I when I I, I always say shooting because we are such a, a team that's dependent on the mid-range. And when teams go zone and they collapse on our post-dominant players like a Scotty, like a Pascal, we need somebody to kick it out to because those opportunities are going to be presenting themselves. So if Freddie, if Freddie is out, like who's gonna be that guy? If Gary Trent is out, who's gonna be that guy? Now we have Otto Porter, so we're back. Who, who's hurt, and we're back at square one. So, so it's interesting, and it, and it is very fair. We do need we do need guys to put pressure uh, on opposing defenses and, and and creating those give and go or or those drive and kick opportunities. But it's like, who are we kicking it out to? You know what I'm saying? And yeah. That's where it gets problematic because as great as, you know, Doughton has looked, he's not a very good three-point shooter. And I think, I think especially in our offense where we don't know how to generate those opportunities to get guys like that who can shoot the ball, be those spot-up guys, it, it is going to be a struggle and it's easier to scheme, to, to scheme against. But something has to give, but it definitely looks like the team is going to look the same at the beginning of the season. So I think we're going to see a lot, a lot of what we saw last year and maybe, maybe even a repeat of the, uh, of the same problems from the perimeter. But I guess we'll see. I definitely like Banton, Flynn and Champagne if I was going to go down the order as one, two and three. I think Banton has had a great summer. I think the Raptors have a lot of faith in him. I really think it's his to lose, not to mention that he was the focal point for Summer League. He was the focal point in the America Cup, and Nick Nurse was coaching him. So maybe there there is a little bit of a, of a bias when it comes to Banton. But I I think with his size, with his athleticism, he's a very very intriguing piece coming off the bench, and and I think that kind of sums up the Raptors in general. We have a bunch of intriguing pieces, but it's like 
when is that entry gonna end <laughs> you know what i mean when are yeah. when are we going when is to potential know? gonna be met yeah yeah i think that's that's the challenge as to where the rafters are oh it's so deflating to hear that auto porter jr is out i i, I like i'm, I'm being I honest know, like that that's I such know. a buzz kill it's such a buzz kill because <laughs> the catch and shoot was going to be so important for us this season and to have have him out like where do we go where do we go from here i know we're gonna run it back but what we just we just gotta hope that champagne turns into that guy <laughs> which is that's hard that's tough for a rookie who's been well he's going to second year but like he's just been up and down right so damn that's a tough blow and again to add to your banton point yeah he i think he has like a clear runway to that roster spot you can't find many Bantons in free agency, but I'm no. pretty sure you can find a little bit more Flint. You know what I mean? Like those type of guards. So that's where I stand with that battle. I think Banton is someone you have to hold on to your team just for his potential. Overall, overall things he could do on the court compared to what Flint could do. And, and not to mention with injuries, we can add Thad Young. There was a little bit yeah. of a tweak there. Birch uh, as well seems to be a little shaky. Yeah. Uh, like it, Depth was one of my biggest concerns. We can deal with the depth at the forward spot. And and thankfully, yeah. they, they did invest in, on that side of the ball. But it's like the depth of the guard spot. I, I, I hate to harp on that. It's so concerning. So it's bad. Yeah, I don't I, I, I really don't know where, where to go from here. But <laughs> we still have our top eight guys. We have our starting five pretty much locked, I'm assuming. We still got Precious. We still got Boucher. And that eighth guy, I think we can still say it's Thad. Hopefully, he'll be ready to go at the beginning of the season. But after that eight, it gets very interesting. Very, <laughs> very, very, dark. Very, <laughs> dark, very, very quickly. Listen, man, my only hope right now with all this news is that Juancho Hernan Gomez becomes Bo Cruz. Like, that's the only solution (laughs) that that, that can assist us at this point. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to ask you, I'm like, who's that next name that goes up in the list, right? And you you probably, you just named it, right? Juancho seems like the guy who could fill that role. Yeah, yeah. Of the shooter. Yeah, yeah. He The ability to stretch the floor. And I know a lot of people uh, are writing him off because he's been a bit of a journeyman uh, going into his seventh year, I believe. But, you know, we're talking about we're talking about Banton and his performance during Summer League and, and the America, Wancho and Eurobasket. And he was coming off the bench, had stellar performances, especially in the final game. And, like, even... even if we can get 50% of that, yeah, it's a welcome addition, especially coming off the bench. I think he averaged 12 and 6 with 39% from the three-point line in the in the tournament there. Yeah, something so, like that. Yeah, if he can give us 39% from the three-point line in the NBA. I know the three-point line is different over there, but if he can give us that, that would be a welcome addition. I don't know how his defense is, though. I haven't really followed his career like that. Maybe in, I see him in 2K all the time, but <laughs> but he doesn't really get enough burn on the court for me to like really analyze how he really fits defensively on our team. I think he has the athleticism where he can be be one of those competitors on that side of the ball. Yeah. But I definitely yeah. think it, Willie has a slight edge in terms of being a defender. Just I we see more of him too, right? And. Mm-hmm. He's been getting steady play over the last year or two, and I don't think it's by accident. He has been earning. Like I, I even picked him up and dropped him a couple times in, <laughs> in fantasy. You know, there was a stretch where he was averaging double doubles, but uh, I definitely think that he can be that guy to take up a lot of space, use his length, use his athleticism. I think the only area of concern would be when he gets in the, into the post. Like, is he going to be able to? to hang with the big boys in the East. While they're not many, but you still have to be able to defend on that side of the ball. Yeah, he's an interesting piece. Who's another piece that stands out to you? Do you think Ron Harper Jr. has a chance to get some burn? Like, I know he's on a two-way, but what do you see him be, being on our team? I like Ron Harper, and I know we talked about it on, on draft night. I mm-hmm. I think he can be what I think the Raptors want DJ Wilson to be at that forward spot that big body 
somebody that can stretch the floor out, grab some rebounds, um, score score some buckets in the paint. Kind of like that Swiss Army knife. I know we that's pretty much the Raptors' ammo, but I definitely feel like he can be that guy that can do a little bit of everything. Uh, he still looks a little bit on on the heavier side, but I don't I, I don't think that's really a negative to be honest because you do need a little bit of size, especially when you're trying to deal with post dominant players. You want to be able to have some of that strength, but uh, he is a very intriguing piece. I, I definitely think his game will be helpful. What do you think? Yeah, I think if he can model his game, I know, I hate when we typecast these guys. Like he remind his body type reminds me kind of like a PJ Tucker, where he's like 6'6", 240, but he doesn't play like PJ Tucker. No. He's a better shooter. At, well, PJ Tucker's a decent shooter, but I think he has a better sh- scoring touch than PJ does. So I think that's probably what the mold they're looking for, right? They're looking for that guy who could switch forward spots. He could play the two two in certain scenarios, not as a ball handler. Uh, but just a guy on the perimeter again. So I like I like the upside I, I see from Ron Harper Jr. I want to see more of him though. I, I know we've seen the recall runs, but those are skewed, right? Those are that's highlights. They're called highlights for a reason, right? So I want to yeah. see him in game action, what kind of reads he's making on the defensive end, offensive end. Is he a, a good passer? Is he like from right now it just looks like he's just standing in the corner and shooting, you know, but he has decent athleticism to finish around the rim too. So I also feel that the reason why he's standing in the corner is what the Raptors are trying to do. Exactly. You you know what I'm saying? So um, I don't really hold that against him too much, but it is a very valid point. But if you have to pick a dark horse pick, I know we talked about Banton, Wancho, and and Flynn, and possibly Champagne, but if you have to pick a dark horse out of the guys that had the two-way to possibly crack the rotation, Jeff Dowden, Gabe Brown, Josh Jackson, and Ron Harper... Who do you think among, among those four could possibly squeeze in and get that roster spot if you had to pick? I mean, the the, the best shooter out of that bunch, and if we're talking about a need on our team, we need more shooting than anything and scoring. But yeah, shooting for sure. Gabe Brown, man, like Michigan State, man, he, he can light it up. And he reminds me, I say it all the time, he reminds me a lot of CJ Miles, the way he gets to his shots, the way he shoots the ball. His form. Uh, his form it's is very it's like it's very copy and paste right yeah yeah and he has good athleticism like he can finish he can dunk like he, he's not gonna lay up and get blocked <laughs> like like most of our guys usually do or yeah. most of our old shooters do so if i was to say there's a dark horse guy it would be gabe brown but my gut is telling me he's not gonna get a lot of run in preseason uh maybe at the last couple of games he has an exhibit 10 so that means when they wave him they they have rights to him with the yeah. 905 so that, that's their plan to groom him for a year in 905 hopefully a, a team doesn't call him up and take him away but mm-hmm. he's gonna be on the 905 that, that's the way i see it yeah i think gabe brown would be my pick as well just for the exact reasons that you mentioned but i think when you get a, a michigan state type of player you know you're getting a player with a little bit of an edge uh tough on that's uh, on the defensive side of the basketball and when i was doing research on him and looking i mean going into summer league he was definitely one of those players where he's he's an energy guy where he, he takes advantage of the uh, his athleticism he knows he can shoot the basketball he's not afraid to shoot the basketball but i feel like a guy like that on a raptors team that's call it what it is trigger happy i feel like (laughs) that's a one-way ticket to the bench so yeah i'm curious to know what this team is going to look like going into the season are we going to have are we going to give these guys a little bit more leeway this season or are we still going to be running a tight ship but i think with the injuries piling up i I think it's going to be much of the same you know eight-man rotation nine-man rotation um And my fear is, and even though Nurse has addressed it kind of tongue-in-cheek about what Freddie's minutes are going to look like, and it's not the first time he said that he's going to play him less, but also by playing him less, who's giving us that production? Exactly. Right? It's one thing to say it, but it's like, what's the plan, you know? Well, I mean, <laughs> uh, like, I hate to end on this note, but I think I'm going to bring it to a close. Like, there's, there's, there's no way to dissect it. I hate to do it. 
th in this fashion but to get that news it's very deflating yeah but deflating. but on the same side too it's very encouraging because now these young pieces these young bucks so to speak are going to have the opportunity ron harper jeff dowd and delano banton champagne unfortunately injuries are a part of sports and we've seen that a lot over history but it's always next man up and i think the raptors are definitely built to be next man up and it's there for the taking so hopefully these young guys can go out there and, and take it so with that being said we're going to conclude this episode mac thank you very much for being part of this once again my brother let the people know what you got on tap uh in the next couple of days oh i wanted to add one thing gabe brown for those that don't that don't know he's six eight and he has a seven foot wingspan so if you really like that that look for the raptors that's what he brings as well he's a he as much as he's a shooter he does fit the archetype but yes um i got a few podcasts i'm gonna be on in the next couple of days i'm gonna be on one with samson um i'm gonna be with confederacy of dunks on tuesday I think that will drop Wednesday. And then I think I'm going to have my own episode in the coming days. My daughter's birthday is next week. So I don't know how much time I'm going to have. I have family coming up. So <laughs> we got to see how, if I can balance um, podcasting and family life. But yeah, um, you can just catch me on Raptors Republic YouTube. Thank you for having me again. You're a great host. Great show you got going on. I love the growth. And uh, yeah, I'm ready for many more in the future. I appreciate that, brother. Your support means so much. And folks, it, there is a very interesting pod with Mac Sampson uh, from Raptors Republic and S from The Score. If you haven't seen it as yet and you want to be triggered by some of the arguments and discussion that they had, I encourage you all to see it. It was just a fantastic episode, brother. Just continue to grow, continue to dominate. I'm here for it. You're definitely going to be back. I appreciate your support at any given time folks as usual any news in relation to the podcast raptors content you can find it all on the instagram at live by the dot number three and i am officially on twitter give me a follow yes. tweet me dm me whatever at live by the zero three and until the next episode everyone please stay safe good people peace peace